In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 73. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. If you are someone who's looking to grow in their faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise, well, having a little fun along the way, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot collectively over the 15 plus years. We've been friends in the faith and we want to share what we've learned with you. So if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to ensure you get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all the great content we are sending out. You can find us at Theology of the Buddy, all one word. So today on our podcast, we are diving into the last topic of our Four Last Things series, which is typically something that uh, people would meditate on uh, during Advent. And so today um, we are diving into the topic of hell. So it's it's going to be a fiery a fiery podcast, but. But specifically, we wanted to talk about hell as a reminder of what Christmas is all about. Christmas, the incarnation, was done to save us from the fires of hell. Our Lord became man, took on flesh, entered into our nature to save us from that destiny. And it's something that especially in the last week of Advent leading up to Christmas, we should be arousing in our souls this gratefulness, this thankfulness to God for the great gift of the incarnation of his Son. And that hell is not, and death and hell is not, and does not have the last word. So I'm really looking forward to to discussing this and 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 hearing the thoughts of my wonderful co-hosts. Um, but before we do that, Mike and Brooke, how the heck are you? <laughs> get it? Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's gonna be a hell of a podcast. But again, it's uh it is a tiding of comfort and joy, right? Like uh, what you're saying about oh, our Lord came to save us made me think of that Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. So there you go. We don't just want to think about uh, hell for the sake of it, right? We want to meditate, but for a good purpose to uh, help us in our spiritual lives to come to love God and to avoid hell ultimately. I, I won't lie. I'm kind of moody right now. Hi, kind of moody. I'm dad. No, it's worse. Thanks. 
all I wanted, all I wanted was to be able to see Jupiter and Saturn line up for the first time in hundreds of years and see a real pretty star. And guess what? Freaking clouds, man. <laughs> all up in my way. Can't see the dang thing. It's very 2020, that, isn't it? Oh, it's so 2020. It's like, oh, cool. Something to look forward to. <laughs> Never mind. Have some clouds. <laughs> but, but, but. Here, have a lockdown. Yeah, here, have a lockdown. But I will say sometimes the greatest joys happen within our own homes. And yesterday, something was created here, unlike anything else that had ever been created in our own home. I recreated Massimon Curry from an amazing restaurant in St. Thomas. And it was delicious. <laughs> that was about to be a baby announcement or something, right? <laughs> I was, I was, my eyes were like widening. I'm like, yes, go on, go on. Then Massimon Curry. But I could also see the confusion, like, created yesterday? How do you know? (laughs) (laughs) It happened so fast. (laughs) But but anyway, so I made this dish, and I swear, like, I must have said it like 10 times. Mike, this is so good. I made this. I made this. Mike was like, I know you made it. I'm so proud of you. It's so good. You're the best wife I've ever had. And I'll never marry anyone else unless you die or something. But let's not think about that right now. This curry is so good. None of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Mike didn't even rela- re- Mike and you didn't react that much when Evie and Vincent were born. So. <laughs> Mike, Mike, we oh. made this. We made this. <laughs> it's true. We're not that excitable. No actual things. Well, let's be honest. When I was having my C-section with Evie, I was like doped up on um, midazolam. And probably the most joyful thing I said to Mike was, Mike, I feel her arm inside my uterus. <laughs> <laughs> this was a very special time. <laughs> If you ever want to, you know, talk to someone on drugs. Dazzlelam is a hell of a drug. Segway. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was the worst segue ever. I pulled it off. Segway was the pits. Hmm. (laughs) Feeling hot, hot, hot. No, <laughs> stop. It's getting worse. <laughs> Jamaican it worse. <laughs> What's the quote about sandals? <laughs> Jamaica's largest freshwater pool. <laughs> you know where there isn't any fresh water? Hell. <laughs> Trying, so, guys. I'm trying. You're, you're, I'm paid you're, doing, you're doing great, Brooke. I'm not paid enough for this. <laughs> you're not paid at all. <laughs> oh, it makes so much sense. 
<laughs> I'm volunteering. These are free jokes, guys. Yeah. The question is, are they worth it? <laughs> you get what you pay for. <laughs> Just wait till we start our Patreon campaign. Then, then they'll be paying for the jokes. <laughs> One dollar gets you a joke from Brooke. <laughs> we'll also have a tier that um, turns off Brooke's jokes for an episode. That would be amazing. Excuse me. It'll be it would be like the um the the GoFundMe for Five Iron Frenzy where it was like pay two thousand dollars and Reese Roper Roper will never rap again. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone do that? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think maybe. Oh no. Uh, yep. <sighs> so oh funny. So funny. So yeah, let's 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 hop into the topic of the fires of Gehenna. Um, so, man, I I absolutely recommend for everyone to pick up that that book I mentioned last week, the Four Last Things, by Father Martin von Kochem. Um, you can get it in PDF form online for free. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. But you can get a physical copy from Tan Books, and they're they're pretty cheap. But dude, like the way he starts this, it sounds like he's writing for the year twenty twenty. Listen to how he starts, and tell me how twenty twenty is already. Listen, although in the present day many are found to deny the existence of hell or at any rate, the eternity of punishment, we do not consider it incumbent upon us to bring forward a number of proofs that there is such a place as hell. In the case of the Christian reader, for whom this book is intended, evidence of this nature is quite superfluous, because he will not have made shipwreck of his faith. Indeed, what further proofs can be required for the existence of hell and the eternity of punishment, seeing that the prophets, that Christ himself, that the apostles and the fathers of the church, nay, the very Turks and heathens, speak of it as an unquestioned fact? Those who deny the existence of hell must consequently be counted amongst the fools who say in their heart that there is no God who punishes their misdeeds." Fallen. I love that. But 1899, you know, yeah. they were dealing with that error even, even, even then, you know, where there was that question of it, does hell exist or, or does the punishment even, is it even really a punishment? You know, like the, Maybe the idea of annihilationism was a thing then too. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it, we can go back all the way even to origin, right? To see the idea of um, the hell of the damned coming to an end, and the uh, the demons as well, right? I didn't know that. Was that not Origin's error? I'm not sure. As Augustine says, Origen erred in maintaining that the demons will at length through God's mercy be delivered from their punishment. That's true. It's in the Summa. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, always around the question of hell, there always seems to be this, it's, it's this need to try to make it fit into a nice box, right? To make it more palatable 
to the senses, right? The idea of eternity and eternal punishment is is a is a scary idea, you know? And so, you know what? Maybe we'll just yeah, maybe we'll just lop it off at the last judgment. That'll be it, you know, or we'll you know, we'll make it we'll make it so God just just makes the soul disappear after after they die if they were destined for hell because he's too nice to let them suffer you know yeah or what augustine and saint thomas and all the fathers said about most people being damned that's that's so harsh and so dark let's uh let's prefer this novel teaching that just came out recently mm-hmm. it says the opposite of the fathers but let's go with that one it says the opposite of christ I mean, many are called, few are chosen. I mean, it's wide is the path and many go there. Yeah. Is remind me is many more or less than few. (sighs) Depends on how you identify. (laughs) Biblical interpretation is so hard. You know, (laughs) unless there's an infallible statement on whether many is more than few. I don't know if we can say what that passage means <laughs> oi oi yeah so there's a couple of things that we we should talk about um in our in our kind of meditation of hell one maybe just for meditation's sake have you have you ever heard of um the the bird analogy the mountain and the bird analogy for eternity no no so the idea that hell is not just you know it's not purgatory right it doesn't have you, you when you go there it's not like you have an expiry date where the where the torment ends it goes on forever and uh but eternity is kind of a hard concept to fit into our head. So I, I remember this, uh, this analogy was told to me and I, I kind of liked it. Imagine that there is a mountain and every thousand years, a bird would come and that bird would sharpen its beak on the top of that mountain and then fly away. Thousand years later, would come back, sharpen its beak on the tip of that mountain, and fly away. Until that mountain is turned into a pile of dust from the number of times that that bird came and rubbed its beak on that that mountaintop, not a day has passed in eternity. Mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard the similar analogy with like you know the the ocean and a teaspoon where it's just like by the time you were able to transfer all of the water from the oceans with a single teaspoon into some other large vessel or something like that still eternity would go on and hadn't even it would be like not no no time had passed at all the the idea that god would allow us to be punished for our sins like that is a hard, it's a hard sell. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's really difficult to, to grasp. Um, but I think 
you know, we're talking about the, the error of, you know, of the day of, you know, denying its existence or, you know, the reasonable hope that all men will be saved or whatever. But I think coming back to our first podcast uh, in this series, where we talked about the punishment of sin, I find that a lot of the the same crowds that hold that the death pun the death penalty is inadmissible and immoral um, would also err on the side of the von Balthasar argument. I I don't know. I find that that's the case. Um, they're more they're more open to that idea, and I think that the idea of punishment is a hard is a hard concept for them to accept. It's hard to envision in their mind a, a God who is completely merciful, a God who is love, but a God who also can and does punish to the furthest degree um, mm-hmm. sin. I think, I think it was fault and shame that said uh, there are many souls in hell that are there because they thought God wouldn't punish them, punish them for their sins. That could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was, it, it was, it was Fulton Sheen. I think I may have, may have even referenced that in the last mm. yeah. The gist of it definitely seem, sounds right. Yeah. 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 I mean, even our Lord in the scriptures say, says that, you know, not all those who say, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many examples in scripture. Yeah. <laughs> Can I share one little quote from Archbishop Fulton Sheen? Okay. Each and every one of us at the end of the journey of life will come face to face with either one or the other of two faces. And one of them, either the merciful face of Christ or the miserable face of Satan will say, mine, mine. May we be Christ's. There's an image for you, right? There is a serious image right there. Because yeah. yeah, what what we what give what we give to God is God's, right? But you know, what we do that is sinful is of Satan. If it's by our merits that uh, you know we we gain grace and grow in love for God, then it's by our vices and our sin that. Uh, we only get closer to the exact opposite, right? Or at least by cooperation. Yeah. By God's grace. I mean, I know that's not what you meant, but <laughs> we don't want to phrase it in a way that sounds like we're, uh, we can do anything without God's grace. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something relating to the, the idea of punishment too. Like there's, this is kind of a hard concept that I'm not going to pretend to fully understand, but the idea of God's justice and mercy being inseparable and being inseparable from his essence, it's tough to understand. A lot of people hear that God is merciful and they think of him like a merciful human. And on our level, often people are merciful and neglect justice. But God is incapable of doing that. Mm-hmm. He has to be perfectly 
merciful and just at the same time, which it's a difficult thing to understand on a human level. Yeah. But it starts to illustrate how like the same God that so generously and super abundantly loved us to the point of shedding his blood on the cross, but also punishes the damned for eternity in hell. It's not a different God. It's the same the same God who is mercy and justice together in perfect in perfect harmony. Right. Mm-hmm. When when we're talking about the idea of punishment, you know, we're all familiar with the with the imagery that there are fires in hell. We can know for certain that there really is fire in hell from the words that Christ spoke in the Gospel of Matthew uh, to the wicked. He said, Depart from ye, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, so the the idea of that is terrifying. I mean, uh, Father von Kochem talks about how getting burned is a unique kind of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, imagine you have a white poker, like that's like a white hot poker, and you grab that poker. Your initial reaction is to let go, right? And obviously you would have blisters and you'd be, you know, in excruciating pain from from that burn. But imagine you can't let go. Now imagine that pain, not just in your hand, but everywhere else, you know, down to the very marrow of your bones. It's, it's scary. But why, why would God do this if he's so loving? Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's hard to approach like um, one of the ways I think is well in addition to what we already talked about with um, the idea of justice and mercy together one of the things that Aquinas talks about is how sin against um, against God because of his greatness merits something if it were possible even worse than hell even the single sin merits the removal of all goods and like basically infinite punishment and it's interesting that like um not every sin is punished um infinitely in that sense even though hell is eternal there are varying degrees of punishment in hell. And that's besides the idea that, um, like, obviously, we can have our sins forgiven in Christ. Part of the mercy of God is in that, like, the, the punishment of our sins doesn't go to the, uh, the level of the one who is sinned against in that sense. Like, the punishment is um, based on the gravity of the act. So that's another aspect where you, it's kind of like the justice and mercy intertwined, right? Our punishments in hell will reflect the sins that we 
we committed. Mm-hmm. So sins of the the flesh will involve torments of the flesh. Things like blasphemy will involve pain and torture of the mouth. You know, and and that would probably just that's just an assumption for how how we would describe torment, right? You know, the the manner in which we sin, um, our punishment is related to the manner in which we've sinned and all of our sins. Is there is there a is there a source for that? Because like that's, I heard it on Census Fidelium. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that's that's kind of the how Dante in Dante's Inferno um, and in in Purgatorio shows the the punishments right it it is related to the the sin itself that that one commits um Mm -hmm. i think that kind of thing is um it's kind of like piously reasoned i guess like it's a a thing that makes sense but um i'm gonna see if i can find a i'm gonna see if i can find the source that um the priest had quoted so I'll it's not that. yeah it's not divinely revealed but it's in like things like this kind of enter into private revelation sometimes too right yeah if you're looking for an interesting murder mystery novel there's a great book called the dante club we read it uh in our dante class at franciscan um and the um the premise is that there's a guy going around killing people but the um he's inflicting dante inferno style punishments on the people he's killing and uh it's it's kind of twisted but it's actually an interesting book <laughs> it does sound like the priest had been referencing um dante but i'll i'll find the i'll find the episode that i had listened to and i'll i'll make sure that uh, that gets in the show notes okay maybe he was he explicitly said who had said that our show notes can be found at theologyofthebuddy.com on the topic of love and justice there's a couple of good quotes from um gregory the great on uh, that topic that i was looking for a second ago the first short one uh says almighty god on account of his loving kindness delights not in the torments of the unhappy, but on account of his justice, he is forever unappeased by the punishment of the wicked. And that's an interesting and also kind of scary thought. Then the other one is kind of on the purpose of the punishment of the damned in the grand scheme of uh, eternity. He says, The wicked are all condemned to eternal punishment and are punished for their own wickedness, yet they will burn to some purpose, namely that the just may all both see in God the joys they receive and perceive in them the torments they have escaped, for which reason they will acknowledge themselves forever, the debtors of divine grace the more, that they will see how the evils which they overcame by its assistance are punished eternally." Another thing that's kind of weird to the modern mind to think about is the idea of um, the saints in heaven observing the damned, but also having a perfect appreciation for divine justice through it. 
to the extent that they can praise God for his justice and his mercy while observing the souls in hell. Yeah, I'm sure that in heaven, and maybe this is speculation, but like I'm sure that the the saints and the angels experience a level of sadness. Obviously, it's not sadness as we understand, right? Because they're in the beatific vision. But I'm sure that there is a like they like our Lord said, there's great rejoicing over a soul that that converts. And I'm sure that there's kind of the inverse of that, that, you know, heaven sorrows in a way for any soul that is lost to hell. And yeah. Yeah. There's an interesting discussion on that in, in the Summa about whether the saints, I think it's whether the saints pity the damned and I think it concludes that they can't really pity them in, a, in the sense that we understand it because that would imply wishing that their situation would change, which they're incapable of desiring against God's justice. Mm-hmm. But of course, they don't experience any pleasure or happiness in the punishment of the damned in and of itself. But they do by kind of a secondary effect of seeing the punishment of the damned, they would both be more grateful to God and also see the basically the perfection of his justice and therefore like how much more worthy he is of praise. Right. Yeah. It would be like seeing just how much he is worthy of love and you know seeing that soul justly punished it's not it's not like they rejoice in in their punishment but they see that you know god deserves love above all and yeah i don't know that's 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 an interesting thing to meditate on you know yeah with neither the saints or with god is the actual suffering of the damned itself, something that they desire or rejoice in. Right. But it is just one other thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was really interesting reading about hell recently, the idea of how the damned think about God. It's another thing um, that Aquinas talks about. And basically he says that to think about God in his true self um, like to think about the essence of God is to love him. Mm. And so the damned in hell are only capable of thinking about God in his accidents. And because of their situation in eternity, they're only capable of thinking about him as the one who punishes and prevents their evil desires and their will. So that's something that kind of struck me as like something I've heard a lot of like, there's a temptation to think of God this way for a lot of people as like a divine dictator, just someone who just is there to boss you around and stop you from doing anything fun 
or stuff like that right like this is the high school atheist kind of view in a sense but like it's more more common than i think we might realize Mm -hmm. and it made me think of um what c.s lewis says about how the blessed and the damned would look back on their life on earth and how it's kind of an extension of eternity right Uh, the saints would look back at the um, hints and um, foretastes of heaven and life, but the damned would only look back on hell throughout their whole earthly life too. And dang, this just really illustrates like, if this is how someone thinks about God, then it's like a preparation for hell, right? It's like you're practicing to think like one of the damned. It's mm-hmm. very scary. The the priest on the on that podcast that I had been listening to, and he was this was all on a podcast episode um, where he was talking specifically about Fatima and um, and the vision of hell that the the children the children had seen, and uh, he reiterated that the principal pain in hell is loss, the loss of you know, the, the vision of God and like, even, even if, if hell was only just, you know, a dark place, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, imagine not being able to experience like God's love. Imagine not being able to, I don't know. And having the ability to see the saints in heaven yeah, and their joy and perfection. Didn't you have a quote from, uh, who was it from? I got St. Catherine of Siena. About the damned thinking how easily they could have been saved. Oh, that's this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that one was great. So, St. Alphonsus Liguori, um, if you haven't heard of him, um, Baby John is named after. If you him. haven't heard of him, where have you been? <laughs> Go buy a book of his or something. Buy his sermons. Only the third greatest doctor of the church. He's great. (laughs) I really i've I've only read snippets, but anyway, everything I have is being like oof. How do I know what Chris's (laughs) top two are? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. Which of the three Carmelites did you put below (laughs) Alfonso? Anyway, back to this quote. Whoever prays is certainly saved. He who does not is certainly damned. All the blessed have been saved by prayer. All the damned have been lost through not praying. If they had prayed, they would have not been lost. And this is and will be their greatest torment in hell. To think how easily they might have been saved just by asking God for his grace. But that now it is too late. Their time of prayer is gone. End quote. Yeah. I can't follow that with anything. Can't be more hard-hitting than that. Yeah. Yeah, St. Teresa of Avila, right? She says that she saw souls falling into hell like snowflakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's not a rarity, despite what modern theologians want to tell us, that there's only a few that go there. And we can easily be among them. And like Brooke said, there is 
there's still that possibility that we may still end up in hell for our sins. But the point is that there is that hope, right? That virtue of hope that I think entering into a life of prayer enlivens in us. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in my life, and, and I don't know about you guys, but in my life, when I've fallen into grave sin, mortal sin, there's always that temptation towards more. There's always that temptation to just say, well, you know what? I'm here now. What's one more time? What's what's one more time? And I mean, it is only God's grace that prevents us from staying there, from being steeped in the mire of, of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. And I mean, thank God for confession. Yeah. Thank God and, for and, confession. And we have we have to participate with the grace that we're given too, right? And the grace that yeah, and the we have to participate with the grace that we are given and use that grace with God, obviously, to keep ourselves in states of grace. And that that includes frequent confession, prayer, fasting, the Eucharist. We can't say I just hope to be, you know, one of the lucky ones and end up in heaven and not do any of those things that are required of us, which I think is uh, a mentality that's becoming prominent. I don't know, maybe it's just me. In our culture, right? Yeah. What's the kind of bare minimum? Yeah. I'm a nice person. Mm-hmm. It's all that matters, right? Well, it's it's the error of Protestantism, right? It's it's that sola fide error that that is so prominent that has pervaded even into the church, into the Catholic Church. So, yeah, it's something that we have to have to battle against, even even in our own spiritual lives, right? There can always be that temptation to the sin of presumption. The Lord's going to mm-hmm. have mercy on me. So, you know, or I can just go to confession or blah, 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 whatever excuse we make, right? Um, Yeah, we have to be incredibly vigilant. And I think think that's also why St. Alphonsus Liguori talks about whatever he said. You know know what he said. Everyone who prays is in heaven, basically, and everyone who doesn't is in hell. Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something to that. Degree. Yeah, so I mean, I think, I think mental prayer, if it is doing its job, right? Um, and maybe this is kind of this is kind of a point I wanted to get onto next as well. Is you know, Saint Teresa says this is the fruit of prayer, my sisters, good works, good works, and prayer is always a good prayer life. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Is always going to produce good fruit. You're going to end up being seeking to grow in virtue. You're going to pursue a life of prayer, a sacramental life. But also, I think it's incredibly important to acknowledge what Scripture talks about as well in the Gospels when the Lord comes to judge the, you know, the living and the dead. And how one of the big litmus tests, if you will, was did we love others? 
Did we seek to love the poor? Did we go out of our way to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, you know, visit those in prison? If if we can read the gospel, particularly that gospel, and say to ourselves, I've got this covered, that's a scary idea. We always have further to go and you know, in living our lives for others. So, you know, for Christ and for others, you know, yeah, I think when we're meditating on hell and, and asking, you know, and, and pondering what more can I do? Read that gospel, you know, because there's always more. I can plug another prayer practice, which, um, is kind of the running theme of this season in a certain sense. Think about the examine as well with this whole strategy of prayer leading us, us to heaven, right? If you want to combat the sin of presumption, think about your sins at the end of each day and each day by repenting of your sins and committing to, to uh, avoid that sin the next day. Which saint was it that, um, like, had he's often portrayed holding the rock, like, at his chest? Do you know who I'm talking about? So, if I remember right. So, you know how when we say um, mia culpa, mia culpa, mia maxima culpa, and we hit our chest with our fist? I, I think it's um, because of this saint that we do that. Is that when he would have the temptation to sin, he had a stone and he would hit himself in the chest. And we saw a statue of him in Portugal. Mm. I want to say it's St. Bartholomew, but I think I'm wrong. There's also <laughs> there's also the example from from the scriptures, right? Of the uh the publican and I can't remember the other guy's name, but where he comes and he and he pounds his chest and says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, you know, um, and the publican is, you know, saying, you know, who's this guy? I was wrong. It's not St. Bartholomew, but there's a pretty amazing statue of him at the Vatican with no skin. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing statue. It is. Come on, Brooke. Yeah, I can't uh, specifically find if that is why we indeed beat our chest but maybe saint jerome has something written but yeah so he obviously would... the sorry to interrupt you but obviously the story of the publican precedes saint jerome right we can beating his chest but he's probably inspired by the yeah. scripture as well yeah <laughs> yeah it would make say it, it would make sense that saint jerome would be inspired by scripture because Saint Jerome. <laughs> he translated the Bible into yeah. Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry to cut you off. Now go ahead. Yes, it was Saint Jerome that would take a rock and hit his chest in penance. That's cool. Look it up. <laughs> Didn't you say really that there's there's a picture of him with a skull on his desk and a rock on it too and yeah, when uh, we looked it up, there's a famous one of St. Jerome. Yeah. The scripture's open ahead of him, and he's got a, a skull and then just a plain rock beside it. 
yeah, there's there's a ton of pictures um, where uh, he's basically drawn the same, but there's always a stone either in his hand or at his side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful. Can we make good art again? Thank you. That's your job. Someone told me my art was crap the other day. Kind of wanted to die. Well, they were wrong. Somebody once told me the world was going to roll me. <sighs> they were right. <laughs> 2020 looks in. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more that can be said on on this topic um yeah like i said i recommend the book the four last things you can find a pdf copy of it at theologyofthebuddy.com under episode 73 um which will be entitled hell i'd also encourage everyone to uh read up on the like the the fatima children like read what our lady showed these young kids as a warning like that'll that'll wake you up what what did our lady say specifically specifically that that quote that's in the show notes oh yes she said that there are more souls in hell because of the sins of the flesh than any other reason right yeah Yeah, than than any other sin right So especially in today's day and age, it's so easy for us to give in to those sensual pleasures. And I think we've become all too well accustomed with especially sins of, of, of sensuality, even just on the, on the base level of laziness and loving comfort. I mean, we talked about this on uh, how to raise a man, right? that the sin of acedia or the vice of acedia uh, really does, you know, I mean, it's, it is rooted in the love of, of the, of sensuality and mm-hmm. um, a love of ease. And I think it's important for us to, if we haven't, especially this advent to really recommit ourselves to to fighting um, the vices. Fasting will change you. Like, you know, Mike and I did the same fast last year and, you know, there's a a certain level of control and culpability that you have towards yourself. And, you know, Mike and I are doing the same fast. So with each other and uh, you really learn how to control those, the pleasures of like, eating like you know it can be so easy to just like constantly snack and that's so bad <laughs> and you, you notice that when it's just like you're in the kitchen and it's like you see some of julie's cookies sitting on the counter and it's like ooh, <laughs> it's just like i shouldn't i can't keep yeah. doing that i have to i have to i have to have i don't know I have to control my will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you ha- your intellect has to master your will, right? Mm-hmm. And we think of it so often these days as being bad health-wise to overeat all the time and stuff like that. We don't often think about how it's bad for our 
souls and leads us to be like have weak wills that give in to every desire and Mm -hmm. that leads us to sin yep i mean if you read the the desert fathers in particular right like antony of the desert and and whatnot i mean that that was like that was like the first thing you did you know you you come to you come to the abbot and you're like i want to become a monk and they're like okay no more food <laughs> you know i mean because that's that's kind of the gateway right um and you know uh <laughs> yeah like even even like in you know i was listening to a talk on saint john of the cross you know and how you know back back when they were reforming the order i mean they they were living carmelites were living in the lap of luxury in a lot of ways some had their own rooms some like like their own like like suites where they can like host their family members you know if they you know came from a an affluent family some would have dogs, like their own dogs, Brooke. Um, even Carmelites. I don't even have dogs. a dog yet. <laughs> but <Me>. like, <laughs> but but yeah, when Saint John of the Cross and 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 Teresa of Jesus reformed the order, they're like, no, we're going to start entering into poverty, real poverty, and so they they instituted real fasting. And went back to the the original observance of the fasts that um, that the original Carmelite fathers had envisioned, um, specifically in the rule of Saint Albert. And I mean, like you hear about, you know, them eating moldy bread, like that to them was like a treat. <laughs> was eating moldy bread. Yeah. I've often thought that we're not going to succeed in restoring the church and like all the traditions of the Roman rite, especially that have been despoiled without restoring the fasts. That's why like a lot of trads are into doing the old fasts and I, I'm totally in that camp too. Like, we need the Ember Days back desperately. We need real fasts before Mass back mm-hmm. desperately. We need a real Lent back desperately. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I think Exodus 90 is a really cool idea for guys. As a stepping stone into some of those like other traditional things. But if somebody is interested in trying it and having some culpability... Mm-hmm. You did it before, didn't you? No. Oh. That's why I'm so effeminate. But, uh, <laughs> there's there's controversy around the the 90 day length where it's put, right? Because you start the fast when it's still Christmas tide, don't you? No. It's, no, it's after Christmas. It's it's after Christmas, but it's supposed to be over at Easter. Maybe I messed that up. Or, Sorry, or maybe, or maybe it's yeah. still, yeah, maybe it's still Christmas tide, but then it goes into to Easter or something like that. But still, like, yeah, except to a is 
way less than 90 days till mm. Easter, right? So it's longer than that. It's longer than the actual fasts that are in the liturgical year. So we just say it's like I thought it overlapped weirdly. That's one of one of the things that mm. turned me off. And maybe it's just an excuse so I don't have to fast. Yeah. Harder. That's totally a possibility. <laughs> Fasting and mortification will help you get holy. Yeah. Find a way to do that. Commit to it. And thanks for coming to my TED talk. And Fasting does get easier after you do it. That's true. And you find ways to make it harder. Like we did this same fast for Advent last year and Lent, and it seemed much easier. Seemed much harder the last two times. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're at the point where we need to make it a little harder for Lent, probably. <laughs> that's that's a that's impressive. That's great. Yeah. Um, just backtracking, Brooke, with regards to Exodus 90, I think it was, yeah, it was Kennedy Hall and uh, Timothy Flanders discussed on a podcast about Exodus 90. And yeah, and and Kennedy had some, took some <laughs> issues with, with Exodus 90. Not the fasting, mm-hmm. but the, the way that certain groups worked together and you know um he's he yeah anyway i i personally so so this is my hot take and this was kind of his hot take as well is that exodus 90 is great but if you really think it creates brotherhood it doesn't it's just another church event and you need to create real friendships with men outside of something like that so yeah yeah. but yeah spoiler alert from that podcast i don't even remember what it was called or what but it was definitely timothy flanders and kennedy hall on one of their man chats that they did so before we close out uh again thank you everybody uh, for listening and for joining us on this journey of Advent um, and our meditation on the four last things. Um, we we really appreciate it. Um, and uh, special thanks to everyone who got involved in the giveaway. Uh, the winner will be announced on Christmas Day, December 25th. So make sure you follow us on social media at Theology of the Buddy on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure that we announce that there. Again, a special shout out to our VIBs who uh, who decided to get involved in the, the giveaway. And a special shout out to Our Lady's Armory and uh, Nicholas Job, who we love inordinately. Uh, so next week will be our christmas episode and it's going to be a party we're gonna have some fun and racking an eggnog (laughs) yeah we're we'll we'll be we'll be having some some christmas cheer so uh please please join us for that uh it'll be wonderful so um again if you're not subscribed hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening we're on apple podcasts Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher. Um, we just were added to TuneIn. 
You can find us on TuneIn. You can find us on iHeartRadio. That just was added this week. Yeah, wherever you listen to great podcasts, we're probably there. And if we're not, let us know. Email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com and uh, we'll ensure that we are found there. So uh, to end out the podcast, we're going to just say a quick prayer yeah, and then we'll, we'll end with that. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Amen. O God of justice, how great is thy wrath and how all-powerful is thy hatred of sin and of the sinner. Woe betide me and all who have the terrible misfortune to commit mortal sin. May God keep me from such sin as would be the means of casting me into eternal perdition. I will gladly suffer all things, the greatest temporal troubles, the acutest pains, even the cruelest death, in order to escape everlasting torment in hell. This is my firm purpose. Wherefore, grant me thy grace and strengthen me in my good resolution. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. St. Jerome, pray for us. Pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. And as always, stay stay tratty. tratty.